Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. <laughs> Thank you to the voice of Ryan Treasure. I never remember whether I said the future is this way or that way, so I'm just going to go up this way. Welcome to Technology Revolution to our couple hundred thousand people around the world who do me the honor of listening to and watching the show every year. I really appreciate you. I have a hot topic for you today. Very, very interesting. You know we've been doing, uh, I'll call it a sub-series about AI, artificial intelligence, chatbots, chat GPT, everything you all come to know one way or the other. And we've talked about it with regard to, Doug, I want you to look up. You're on camera. Doug Rowe, let's see that smiling face. Okay. There you go. No reading notes. Come on. Oh, there he is. Okay. That's real me, not a chatbot talking. We've been talking about AI in relation to the future of novelists, the future of music composers, the future of empathy, the future of... Horror genre fiction. My goodness, I've been covering everything. Today, we're going to talk about something that probably is personal and professional for everybody in my audience. Work, workplace rights, employee rights, workplace law, and the future of AI. It is a humongous topic. We're going to try and narrow it down. I have four people from different related disciplines, so we're going to have a potpourri of futurist predictions of perspectives on the topic. I think you're going to learn a lot. So let me start. You know, I always start these days with, I asked ChatGPT, tell me about the future of workplace law, employee rights, and AI. And ChatGPT told me the following, the future of workplace law and AI taking jobs, oh my, is a complex and multifaceted issue that's been the subject of discussion and debate in recent years. Here are some possible scenarios. One, we're all afraid of this. More jobs will likely be automated. But the good news, the silver lining, there will be new opportunities in AI development, maintenance, and monitoring. Number two, we will need new laws and regulations for employers and employees. Why? Because of data privacy, liability, ethics considerations, and their respective legal rights and obligations. Okay, that's interesting. And if workers are displaced from jobs by AI, they're going to need help getting reskilled, upskilled. Why? Because they have to thrive in an AI-driven workplace. That's the upside. And here's another one. You don't want to hear this one. Widespread AI adoption may change income distribution, employment rates, and the nature of work itself. That's the big topic. I also asked ChatGPT, you know I always do this, for some movie quotes on the topic. And I have some interesting ones for you. Uh, Charlie Chaplin, believe it or not, back in 1936 in the movie Modern Times, they thought it was modern back in 1936. I know, Nancy, it's like almost a century ago. He played the factory worker. And the comment he made in the movie was, I'm not a machine. I'm a human being. How prescient is that? Here we are talking about machines at work. And Charlie Chaplin said he's not a machine. I have a quote from Nada, played by Roddy Piper in the movie They Live, 1988. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm out of bubblegum. Okay, I think that had to do with the job. Then I have a quote from Howard Beale, playing, uh, played by Peter Finch in the movie Network, 1976. I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. And we all know there's a country song called Take This Job and you know what it. And one more from Frank Barnes, played by Denzel Washington. The movie was unstoppable in 2010. We're not here to do things right. 
we're here to do the right thing. Okay, so I've done with the movie quotes and I have four esteemed panelists. Just raise your hand and wave when I call you Nancy Elshick. Nancy and I go back way years ago. We met in New York. We had some wonderful lunches with her colleagues and she and some of her colleagues were actually on this show several years ago. Nancy, it's a real pleasure to have you back. Rumor has it you're coming on again next week on another topic. So everybody get used to Nancy. We have Lenore Horton with us. Lenore, welcome. So nice to meet you. We have Doug Rowe. There he is, Doug, in the top corner on Zoom. And we have Dr. Tamara Nall. Hello, Tamara. Nice to have you on the show. We're so happy to have you. And again, I'm Bonnie D. And this topic today is the future of workplace law, employee rights, and AI. Take this job and what it? There we go. Let's go around the table and get some introductions here. And first of all, panelists, would you please wave hello to LinkedIn? Everybody's watching you. Wave hello. Would you please wave hello to Facebook? Come on, I'm making you real popular. You're all stars already, but we're just increasing your star cred here. Thank you very much. Good waving. Nancy, I'd like you to just start from scratch. Who are you? What do you do? What is your business about? And what's your passion for being here today? And thank you so much, Nancy, for not only being here, but for inviting the three who are joining you today. Very appreciated. Go ahead, Nancy. So I'm an employment attorney and mediator based in New York City. I'm the founder of 30 Year Conflict Resolution, where we take a holistic approach to workplace dispute resolution. So obviously, um, I've been in this topic a lot. Um, also, be- because my long-term partner is a computer programmer in AI, so we have nerdy discussions on date night about what AI is going to be doing, how it works, and its flaws. I was lucky enough to have had him create um, a Nancy bot for me a few years ago as he was trying out some of the AI. So I learned very quickly some of the limitations, although it has improved. So that's what kind of got me here today. Nancy, how did you get into mediation? Why did you choose that niche for your for your professional life? Oh, boy. <laughs> I am a reformed litigator, although I do still some litigation I had been a plaintiff before I started law school, so I was learning civil procedure in the courtroom and the classroom simultaneously. And although, look, I'm a tough litigator and I can sharpen those teeth when I need to, I don't think it's always the best solution for various types of disputes. I I think the courts, you know, they, they do a great job on certain things, but they lack the ability to delve into the the more personal, emotional issues that drive conflict. So that's what I work on. Thank you very much. It's wonderful to reconnect with you and give my regards to your pals I met years ago in New York. We had some good lunches, by the way. Good restaurants near Penn Station. Let's go around the table. Lenore Horton, so happy to have you here. Please do us the honor of introducing yourself. Hi, yes, I'm Lenora Horton. I am the owner of Horton Legal Strategies. It's a law firm, and we provide outside general counsel services to founder-led companies operating at scale. I am particularly interested in this context, uh, in, in the topic for today, because guiding our clients on what they need to consider as employers is going to be a key part of making sure they have successful relationships when it comes to their talent pool. That's usually the one thing that they feel like is their biggest asset, which is the people that they have at their business. And so this is an area I feel like there's perhaps not enough attention being given to it. So I'm excited to talk. 
Well, I'm glad we're giving some attention to it. There you go, Lenore. Happy to serve. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Let's go to Doug Rowe. Hi, Doug. Welcome. And you're here through the courtesy of our mutual connection, Karen Tenenbaum, tax CPA and attorney in New York. So, Doug, welcome and tell us who you are and what you do and why you're here. Well, thank you, Bonnie. But, um, you know, to start, I I, I am proud to have been called by you this morning as a savvy futurist. I've never been called that before. I've been called other things, but never a savvy futurist. So thank you for that. Um, You're welcome. So uh, anyway, I'm an employment lawyer. Uh, I'm a partner with the law firm, Sir Tillman Ballin. Um, I've been practicing labor and employment law for my entire career. And essentially as a labor and employment uh, attorney, I'm in the business of, of uh, educating my clients, getting them to comply with the labor and employment laws, and then uh, you know trying to get them out of the trouble they've gotten in when they haven't complied with the labor and employment laws. So you know what's interesting about you know the future workplace and AI in the workplace is applying AI to the existing laws. And that's what we're all seeing right now. Uh, Just yesterday, I'm I'm gonna read a a quote. Uh, Just yesterday, the FTC chair um, issued a a statement that was also issued by the uh, Department of Justice, the uh, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and the EEOC, where they said, there is no AI exemption to the laws on the books. And these agencies will vigorously enforce the law to combat unfair or deceptive practices or unfair methods of competition. So again, the technology seems to be changing so fast and now it's up to us advisors to make sure that the employers are educated enough to comply with these laws as well. Very well put. Thank you, Doug. Appreciate that. Thanks for that that news blast. I appreciate that too. I have one of my own later on. Let's go to Dr. Tamara Knoll, pronounced like camera. You you educated me, and I'm delighted to have you here. Tamara, please introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Tamara Knoll. I am the founder and CEO of the Leading Niche. We are actually a data analytics and machine learning company. We are celebrating our sweet 16 this year, and thank you. And we, our customers are federal agencies. So for years, we have been doing complicated data analytics for them, and we are ecstatic because now they are open to machine learning and artificial intelligence and embracing it in a way that they have not before. So we are excited about it, and that's why I'm on this call. I live it, I breathe it, I love it, and... Um, I'm glad that we're finally here. Well, thank you very much. You're a woman in tech. I have to applaud you. Tamara, we are several decades apart, but I am an early woman in tech. I was coding on a Xerox Sigma 6 CP3, CP5, I don't know which CP it was, back in the 1940s in COBOL (laughs) and key punching 2,000 cards of code and carrying a box with the card deck in them. And I remember one night the computer operator called me at three in the morning and he said, Bonnie, we had an ab end on instruction number 1042. And I closed my eyes, it was in the dark at the end of the bed. And I said, okay, go back three cards, go back three instructions and put in a zero on the operator's terminal. And 
I am pretty sure it's going to run at that point. I will stay awake exactly five minutes and wait for you to call back. And he said, okay. And he did what I requested and the program completed. Amazing. We knew our stuff. We knew our crap. It was exciting. And you know something, Tamara? People said, oh, programming, you have to be a math major. You have to know mathematics. I said, no, there's so much creativity. You were given a blank piece of paper and told to write a program with with the syntax of the language you were programming in, but everybody's program was different from everybody else's, right? And it was just amazing what you came up with, the style, the language, the everything. It was just an exciting, exciting time. So I have great respect for what you do as well as everybody else in the panel, but I had to say that. Okay, so thank you all for the introductions. I am more thrilled now than I was before. I read your bios and I was impressed and now getting to know all of you a little bit, I'm even more impressed. Let's go to the part of the show where I've asked each of you to please send me a fictional quote from a movie or a TV show or a song lyric that has absolutely nothing to do with our topic. And you're going to relate it to the topic in your own words. Nancy, back in the old days, I asked people for quotes from famous people. Do you know how many Churchill and Gandhi and Einstein quotes I got? I could, I knew them all by heart. So I got tired of that and I changed it two years ago to it has to be a movie quote. And we have fabulous quotes. So Nancy has come up with a quote from the character Jimmy Dugan, played by Tom Hanks, yelling at Evelyn Gardner, played by Biddy Schramm. I remember she was in Monk. She was this the assistant in in the Monk series with Tony Shalhoub. The movie, of course, is A League of Their Own, 1992. How many years ago is that? American sports comedy drama, fictionalized account of a real-life all-American girls professional baseball team directed by the one and only Penny Marshall. And here is the famous line, there's no crying in baseball. Okay, Nancy, related to our topic, please. Can't wait to hear this one. (laughs) <laughs> so, so really, I looked at this because, well, one, it's softball season, right? We just started. Um, as you can tell, I play. And, um, but I really thought it was it was oddly relevant even here because immediately when people started using Chat GPT and now Bard, right, for Google's version, um, we've got co-counsel coming out in the legal profession that that is expanding, and so many different people jumping on board with this. And I hear in my profession, because lawyers, that's what we do, right? We see the worst. (laughs) We're trained to look for that. And immediately it's like, oh, gloom and doom, right? (laughs) And I said, so let's not cry. Let's instead look at what needs to be done and let's move forward with it. Very well done. Thank you very much. Interesting. I wasn't sure where you're going to go with that. No crying also could be, damn, my job. I used to have a job and now there's a robot sitting there. You're allowed to cry then. You're allowed to to cry. (laughs) Crying may be something done by many, many people as a result of what we're going to predict here in the future today. Thank you, Lenore Horton. You sent a quote from the movie Stranger Than Fiction, 2006 American fantasy comedy drama film. Lenore, back in the day, which wasn't that long ago, it was either a comedy or a drama. It wasn't a sci-fi action, epic space opera, fantasy, romance. They have just mashed up all of these movie genres and you have no idea. Oh, there was one funny line. We'll call it a fantasy. Oh, he looked at her and winked. Oh, we're going to call it a drama. Uh, We're going to call it a romance. They just keep mashing them up. But here, you sent me a scene and this is fabulous. The scene is, um, let's see now, the movie is about Harold Crick, who is an IRS agent living a very solitary life and his routine is scheduled. And on the day he's going to 
audit an intentionally tax delinquent baker, played by Maggie Gyllenhaal, he hears a woman narrating his life. His watch stops. He says to someone, can you tell me what time it is? And the voice narrating says, you will die. And then he is going to he goes to a psychiatrist and they say go to a literary agent and find out if there's really a narrator. It sounds amazing. I have to find it. So Harold Crick, played by Will Ferrell or Pharrell, however you say it, says, Ten seconds ago, you said you wouldn't help me. And Professor Jules Hibbert, Hilbert, played by Dustin Hoffman, says, It's been a very revealing ten seconds, Harold. I think that's gonna be one of the new buzzwords of this show. Lenore, how did you find this and relate it to our topic, please? I love the quote. Go ahead. So it's it's one of my uh I would have to say it's one of my favorite movies. It's an easy watch, you know, if I'm looking for something to easily replay. And I, the title is perfect for this topic, uh, Stranger Than Fiction, right? Who would have thought or imagined we would be where we are now when it comes to this technology? But I love that quote because I feel like it happens so much with our clients. I am talking to them and all of a sudden, 10 seconds later in the conversation, everything has changed because it's been very revealing. <laughs> so I thought that was certainly something that happens quite a lot when it comes to um, just working with clients um, as their legal counsel. But I also think it comes up in this, uh, in this space as well because things happen fast and it changes so much. Uh, I know that sometimes we see technology as something that develops over time, but when you have these breakthrough moments, these uh, these leaps that occur. We used to talk about that with evolution, right? These evolutionary leaps that happens with technology as well. Uh, and, and I feel like we're at a moment where, where that is happening. It's a very revealing 10 seconds for us. Very, very well put. And when you think of what ChatGPT does, I'll even make it less than 10 seconds, Lenore, because when I put in a query to ChatGPT, I barely finish hitting the submit button, the return button on my keyboard, and the answer is popping up. I could say with ChatGPT, it's been a very revealing 2.3 seconds because the entire answer, right, Tamara? Right, right, everybody? The the answer is on my screen before I, I even have time to process it. I'm reading, I can't read as fast as it's telling me. Of course, ChatGPT right now is working on a database that closed as of 2021. It's not looking at the web and it does get things wrong. It said that I was not the host of the show. It, it doesn't, didn't know who I was, but it said I was host of somebody else's show. It gave somebody else the name host of this show. Uh, I have a friend who is an author of, of deep sea diving and, and scuba underwater thriller mysteries. And I searched for him on ChatGPT yesterday. We were catching up after a couple of years on Zoom last night and, and it gave him credit for six books only two of which were his. Interesting. And once in a while, I will say, I need a movie character, like I read in the opening here, and it'll give me the wrong character. Well, I, I research all of this. So I went out independently on the web. I went out and I would say, but this character doesn't exist in this movie, or that wasn't the actor or actress. I will exhaust every possible way to prove ChatGPT was right. So I'll go back and I'll say, you got it wrong. And now don't tell me it's not exactly sentient. It was trained well. ChatGPT says, I'm sorry for any confusion I caused. I apologize. Now, it's 
Even if it's canned, it's very, very polite. So I like that. But the matter of seconds, Lenore, that was a great quote. I think we'll reduce it to 2.3 from 10 seconds. But thank you very much. I have to see the movie. Let's move on. Doug Rowe, I'm looking at your quote. This is a famous one from The Captain, who is the prison warden, played by Struther Martin Jr., to Luke, played by Paul Newman. The movie Cool Hand Luke, 1967 American prison drama. It wasn't a romance, a comedy, a sci-fi, it was just a prison drama. Uh, very, very interesting. Luke is a prisoner in a Florida prison camp who refuses to submit to the system. Set in the 1950, based on Don Pierce's 1965 Cool Hand Luke. And it made Paul Newman one of the top actors of the era. I don't know if you know this, Doug, but it is number 11 on the AFI American Film Institute's 100 Years 100 Movie Quotes list. The quote you're about to, I'm about to read. And the quote is, what we've got here is failure to communicate. Doug, you're up. What does this have to do with our topic? Yeah, so, you know, uh, when I saw the movie when I was uh, young, um, you know, it was such a powerful movie and such a powerful quote that it's actually stayed with me throughout my life, and I've used it from time to time as needed. Uh, luckily, I haven't uh, uh, suffered the same fate as Paul Newman did when he actually uh, used the quote the second time. Uh, I'm not going to, if anyone hasn't seen the movie, I'm not going to give out the spoiler. Uh, but what happened to him at that point in time. But, um, you know, the way it applies to our, our topic today is that, you know, AI in the workplace is, 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 is going to be so become, it's already becoming so comprehensive. Um, so when you talk about failure to communicate in the workplace, you're really talking about uh, a lack of employee engagement uh, you may be talking about uh, uh, lack of employee engagement between employees and, and management. Um, and what that results in is low productivity, um, poor quality of work, uh, and, and general lack of employee engagement. And, you know, the AI technology that exists now is really to benefit employers. And if employers use it, you know, properly, they can actually prepare engagement surveys uh, for employees. They can conduct, they can use AI to conduct job interviews. So they uh, ask the right questions of employees and to determine whether they are the proper fit for uh, the company, um, how, how much to pay employees. Uh, there's just so many uses um, in the workplace from an HR perspective and, uh, you know, conducting performance uh, reviews, uh, for example. It's all about communication. And, you know, these AI tools exist now to improve, uh, as I said, employee engagement and better communication in the workplace. Thank you very much. Classic quote. Always happy to see it, Doug. Good choice. And Tamara, interesting quote. This is from Maverick City Music, an American contemporary worship music collective. They are starting in Atlanta, and they have won five Grammys, four GMA Dove Awards, one Billboard Music Award, and one Soul Train Music Award. So they are very well esteemed. And the quote, and you've got to explain this one, is, bless me, bless me, God, not just for me, but so everyone around me can have everything they need. I like the sentiment. Tamara, what does this have to do with our topic? Can't wait. Yes. So I know I was successful in picking it because I got a lot of questions about it. But, you know, I feel like when we're in the heat of things, we always need our jam. So first of all, I love the beat and it gets me in the mood to, you know, do what I have to do. But secondly, and you kind of hinted to it earlier, um, 
Bunny, when you were talking about like you did some searches and the wrong information came. And so as data scientists, as machine learning and AI experts, trash in is trash out. Data in is data out. So for us, when we're working with our customers and they send us trashy data or not that much data, but expect this 100% correct model, then that's not a great day for us. But when we get a lot of data that is good data so that we can give them the type of algorithm that they need, for us, it's like happiness. So it's like, Woo, rain down on me, bless me, this is a happy day. So we'll give each other high fives on our internal IM. We're texting each other like, this is a good data set, we can do something around it. So it's like our happiness. So it's a jam song and it's a happiness song when we get um, the data we need to give the results to our clients. So. Thank you very much. I have to tell you, Tamara, I was introduced to a, a similar song by a group that has won even more awards than this one called Mercy Me. It's a Christian music group and uh, a guest coming on one of my shows, my creativity show called Read My Lips, Cool Conversations with Creatives, sent me a line, I won't go into the line, but for, for that show. And the song is called Happy Dance. If you haven't seen Mercy Me on the video, find it on YouTube happy dance. It will make your day. It will make you get up and dance. It will make you smile. It will put a beat in your step. It will put a, a smile in your life. You'll get up and dance around the room. For a while, I put it in my calendar to start every day at nine o'clock listening to the happy dance song. I'm dancing all over the house. Thank goodness there's nobody here. But it was, it just, so thank you for that. I appreciate the way you relate. I didn't know where you were going to go with that, Tamara, but yes, there is. And you know something, when I was a programmer, Tamara and a program would work well, let's say 2,500 lines of code, I'd put it in and it would work maybe with one little syntax tweak after the first run and it worked. I was jumping up, Eureka, Eureka. And then when the data was good, that was even better. But when a program worked, this was this <gasps> happy, happy, happy. Yes, there, there is this. And, and hopefully the way we're going to predict what's happening in the workplace with AI, people will be happy when it really happens if we're going to tell them something happy. So let's all predict the happy dance. There we go. Thank you all for the quotes. I, I didn't think I was going to get so excited about yours, Tamara, but I really did. You did a great job with that. Thank you, everyone. Let's go to the predictions. Here's how's it, how it's going to work. I didn't explain it before the show, but I'm going to pick a prediction from each of you. I've already selected one from Nancy Schick, and I put it into the chat privately for Nancy so I don't disrupt anybody else. Nancy's going to unpack it for about three minutes. If anybody else has a comment, Wiggle one of your polite fingers at me and I will see you and call you and keep it to about a minute to two minutes. In the time that you're all responding, and I hope you do, Lenore, I will have picked a prediction from you and put it in a private chat to you. You have about three seconds to say yes or no, <laughs> and, and, but I, I know where I think the conversation needs to go. And I'm going to try and pick predictions that are unrelated to each other so we can have a, a really robust conversation. So here we go. Nancy wrote the following prediction number two. She says managers will improve their conflict resolution skills because they have to be more objective with the bots. This will help them take the emotion out of conflict and focus on solutions. It's already happening with people willing to learn how to master chat GPT. Nancy, that is such a packed three sentences. That's about a half hour webinar, but I'm giving you three minutes. So take it over, Nancy, go ahead. Well, I think, you know, that what I've already seen, even testing it myself, like I said, I had the Nancy bot that was created 
I, under one of the early versions of AI, and uh, it was not very accurate. It's improved, but if you understand how chat GPT and generative AI work, right, it's a, it's a predictive model. It's pr about probability of words coming in certain sequences, so it's not actually thinking per se, but I, I always find it fascinating how computers and neuroscience kind of work off of each other. We see what happens with computers and then it makes us think differently about our own brain patterns and our communication patterns. So it basically in order to get out, like Tamara's is too, right? In order to get out what you want, you have to be careful what you put in. And that's exactly how ChatGPT works. So what I've found for myself is for example, when I was testing the, these different tools, I put in a query and what I get back is not what I expect. And I immediately went, oh my gosh, I was given assignments to my employees in pretty much the same format. And then they would have questions and I would get frustrated because I didn't understand why are they not doing what I need them to do? And so that's where this prediction comes from is the more that we use these AI tools, the more it has the opportunity to train us to be better communicators The more and better meaning more effective. There's a lot of optimism in that, Nancy. There really is. <laughs> Anybody have any comments on that? Anybody wanna say anything? Oh, t uh, Lenore, please go ahead. Yeah, I, I, um, I love the idea of becoming more objective because of how you have to phrase the prompts for the type of response that you need. And I also like how when you put in the prompts, uh, if you do want to give uh, a certain, uh, if what your response is, for example, if it's drafting something, you want it to have a certain tone, you have to acknowledge and, and inform uh, the technology that that is the type of tone you want it to have, or that's the perspective you want it to have, or this is the audience you want it to have. So I agree. I think that's so insightful that it will make others more insightful on how they are processing situations. Very interesting. Nancy, anything you want to say back? Or anybody else? Comments? Doug, I actually have a Doug, question. Doug. Yes. I have a question of, of Nancy. So actually, can you get ChatGBT to respond with a certain tone when it comes to you know workplace issues like that? Yeah. So say, for example, it, I, I usually give it a character, right? I've, I've been, I've done some training on this. I give it a character. So I may say it, you know, I, it doesn't do law by the way. So, uh, but you might say, I, um, you are a manager of a technology company and you are the operations manager and you have to give a talk about, you know, this issue in the workplace give me the top talking points and then you can prompt it from there to fine tune it but you can get it to try to give a framework and what it's going to do is it's going to pull it and Tamara you can probably explain this better than I <laughs> or Bonnie too but but it's going to pull the sequence of words from like maybe um, articles and talks and books and things on that particular topic and then it's going to predict which sequence of words will come up with your talking point. Well, well said, Nancy. T Tamara, did you want to make a comment on that? You've been I summoned. 
everything that Nancy said is correct in terms of how it pulls information. I was thinking, I wonder if, you know, to your point, Nancy, if I had to train maybe like a new HR manager that's just entering and I, you know, maybe they have to give a late, they have to terminate somebody. And so maybe we go and say, how would you do that? And then we take theirs and compare to what chat GPT or Jasper AI or any of these others might say, and you might say, you know, we have to terminate an employee. I'm an HR manager at a manufacturing company in the state of California. How should we do this or what should we say so that we're compliant yep. and not legally responsible and that kind of thing? So it could be used as training or, you know, yep. I guess if someone isn't as experienced, they could try to use that too. So it just brought up all of these thoughts in my mind. Nancy? Yeah, and, and actually, I think this is what we're going to get into a little bit on the on the show next week is the ethical implications of this and yeah. the limitations. So there are some tools, of course, that are being trained to give a, a legal sequence of, of words, right? But there are definitely some caveats. So, what, you know, I say tune in next week. Um, but <laughs> thank you. To your point, um, Tamara, is that you can use it as a training tool. And I, I attended a conference last week where we were talking about training new mediators, for example, using a tool like generative, generative AI so that you, you know, they, you could have arguably three people sitting around each with their chatbot out and then playing different scenarios as a training tool. So in an HR space, in a mediation space, super exciting what that could do to make people better. And that's what I see. That's why I'm an optimist, because I see that AI can make us better. And I don't want to hog all the time. So go, Bonnie. That's okay. But I want to add something. Doug, I have something to tell you. I, um, I, I'm i writing my novel. Uh, I have to use a pseudonym because it's so sarcastic. The people I know will hate me because they think I'm talking about them. And the disclaimer says, you may have to see a lawyer or a therapist after you read my book if you think it's you i'm you know full disclosure it could be you but i asked chat gpt to just as an experiment because i was talking to some novelists recently i, I mentioned this in the beginning the future of human novelist versus versus an ai novelist and there are copyright laws you know copyright can only be given to a human so the ai algorithm creator may have to say we are giving that copyright to the name of the person who is the human author, it's very complicated. But Doug, I said to ChatGPT, write me an opening to a thriller mystery um, set in such and such a place and, and with the name of a female detective. And in 2.3 seconds, literally, it wrote the opening. I told it I wanted an eight sentence intro to the book. It wrote the intro to the book. The name of the town, the name of the detective, the setting, who got murdered, and who was going to be involved in trying to find who the perp was, literally. Then I went back and I said, write me the same story humorously. Write me a funny version. It was hysterical. It Exactly the algorithms, Nancy and Tamara and, and Lenore, Doug, everything I asked, it was able to key into those words, those topics, and it just spun the story different ways every time I asked. So Nancy, I really appreciated your, your tutorial here about set the scene, give it the character. Where is it? What are they supposed to do? Doug, does that answer your question? Please say yes, because I want to move on. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. It was a great question. It was a really, really good question. I have picked, thank, Nancy, thank you. I have picked uh, a prediction from Lenore. Lenore, I'm going to number three for you, and you say courts and or regulators will likely find that employers will be able to control how employees use AI in the workplace. Is that optimistic, Lenore? 
I think, yes, I, I have high confidence in this prediction. And so, you know, whether it will happen, I don't really think that's up in the air. But I think the interesting part of it is why. Why is it that this will be the, the likely outcome? And now this is very different because this is a, a conversation about work, the workplace. And the workplace can include employees and non-employees. Okay, so I have a different take if you're talking about non-employees who are in the workplace, independent contractors, consultants, right? But if you're talking about employees, the essence of being an employee is control. Control over the details of the workplace, vacation, schedule, pay, how the work is being done, right? So I think that's going to be, um, this is part of the reason why I think it's an easy, easy outcome um, in terms of what we can expect. And I want, I want you to think of a few scenarios here. Imagine, uh, not that I'm treating you like chat GPT, but imagine <laughs> that you are a, a company that produces content for others, right? You, you write blog posts, you um, create content to be posted on social media, and you have in your contract that it has to be original works of authorship because those companies want to build up an intellectual property portfolio where they have copyrights. If your employees are using generative AI, which we now have insight how the copyright office and uh, views this and the Supreme Court views this, you can't be an author if you're not a human being, well, then this is an easy, easy outcome for the employer. You get to control whether your employees are fulfilling that work in a manner that can meet the expectations of your clients and customers. And so uh, the, the need to control and the, the company policies that would support why you would make these restrictions and have control over them, I think are ones that we are likely to see. And so employers have to think about it. They certainly do. Tamara, please join us. I think that was an excellent prediction. It was kind of related to one of mine, so I assume Bunny's not going to use that one. Um, <laughs> but yeah. that was exactly one of the concerns that I had. You know, if you are promising your client even custom, uh, you know, programming, or like you said, content, particularly if you're in the same industry, you can get around some intellectual capital issues, et cetera. And like you said, authorship issues. And so that can be concerning. So I think you're spot on. There's going to be some controls that are going to have to be in place and some legal um, ramifications of, you know, um, authentic content versus not. Anybody else comment on what? Nancy, please. I'll, I'll just kind of piggyback on that is I think, you know, what one of the reasons that we, ha we have employer control is also because employers are held liable. Right. So that's the right. Correct me if I'm wrong, Doug, here and feel free to jump in with your, your opinions on this. But but that is one of the main reasons that employers are given the opportunity to control is because they're held accountable for the acts of their employees. And it can cost an employer a lot of money if, for example, they are, are violating a copyright right, or stealing trade secrets, right, by using AI. Um, it's possible that there, well, not even possible, there are going to be plenty of cases on those. Interesting. Doug, you want to comment on that or not? So, I, I mean, what's interesting is that 
the laws haven't changed. The laws are there. The anti-discrimination laws exist. Now we're trying to apply the AI technology to the existing laws, and that's the, the, and and that's what you know we'll be faced with uh, now and in the and the near future and in the long term future. So that's why you have all these agencies jumping in, you know, right now and you know just you know basically and and you know you know you have to remember that the technology and and I think Nancy you can confirm this is really whether it's legal or not or lawful or not it's really gonna be a function of the information that's given to the software uh, programmer. And if, for example, the software programmer is given a thousand resumes from a company uh, from the last 10 years, and 80% of those resumes were from men, then they may create AI software, which potentially could be discriminatory and may have an unintended effect of discriminating against, you know, prospective employees, just because of the the way the information has been, you know, um, um, you know, used to prepare the software in the first place. So algorithm and algorithmic bias. Yes, somebody wrote the code to start, right, Tamara? It may have evolved. It may have gone through machine learning, but from what is it learning? What was the core? What was the original input? Bias is there because a human started it and we aren't that far away in that sequence. Doug, good, good comment there. Anybody else? I'm ready to move on. And Doug is up next. Doug, I pick prediction number one for you. This is a, a broad brush one. I think it's important to our conversation. You say the use of AI-driven HR technologies will increase in use to write job descriptions, to write resumes, to conduct job interviews, to track productivity, to determine how much to pay employees, to predict employee behaviors, to conduct performance reviews, to determine whether an employee should be terminated. Doug, try to keep it to three minutes because this is a whole show. Oh, I'm just going to say yes, because that's <laughs> because that's really what's happening already and is 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 going to happen. But you know, AI is is going to have uh, you know the ability to perform these HR functions, and you know, it's already being used on a on a pretty regular uh, basis. You know, common most common uses in HR, I think, are recruiting. Um, to actually use resumes, um, you know, to to um, to 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 evaluate uh, employee performance. You know, the metrics are there, and it's easy to apply. You know, the AI technology to employee performance, monitoring employee uh, performance and what they're doing. And how, uh, you know, it's what's interesting is that uh, you know the 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 working from home. Uh, issue that's really resulted from you know COVID nineteen over over the past three years has really brought some of these issues to the to the to the fore um, because now all of a sudden you have employees working from home and employers are concerned to 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 ensure that they're getting the maximum maximum productivity from employees. And you know they've utilized uh, you know monitoring you know software you know software to enable them to monitor the employee's productivity. And I think that you know that has gone a long way towards uh, you know getting em- employers to focus on the uses of technology. Um, so I think it's 
been applied to working from home as well. But other than that, you know, predicting um, employee behavior, as I said before, using um, AI to, um, you know, pr prepare performance uh, reviews, um, to evaluate what employees should be paid, to determine, you know, whether, you know, an employee is in the right position uh, with the company, to, to determine whether an employee uh, is going to be long-term for, for this employer or whether the employee should be terminated. So, you know, although these uh, issues have traditionally been left to managers to decide, you know, now all of a sudden AI is, is you know, the use of AI is going to have the ability to um, assist in making those decisions as well. And by the way, I stress the word assist because I don't think that employers should you know, leave it to AI to make these decisions for them. It, it should be factored in and evaluated. Good points, Doug. And, and I think of at the time when I had to release somebody from a job, somebody reported to me, and you have to justify specific instances, right, Nancy, of, of what did they commit or what did they not fulfill or what did they say or what did they do? And you have to justify it. You have to validate. You have to save the company from lawsuits over un Un, unvalidated or unfair terminations because everybody thinks they're always unfairly terminated. But it's very, very, and I've been, I've been the, the subject of a couple of those myself over the years. Very, very interesting, Doug. Yes. And that I did a, a show recently on the future of HR and AI. And a lot of what you brought up and, and one of my points in introducing the show, the topic was, what if HR uses AI to write a job description? Employee gets hired, becomes an employee, shows up, and the job was nothing like what AI wrote it was going to be. It was all pie in the sky and optimism and peaches and cream, and that wasn't the job at all. They just took, oh, well, we have this role in this department, and it wasn't true. So it can go both ways. Uh, Lenore, briefly, and then I want to go to one of Tamara's predictions. Go ahead, Lenore. Yeah, it's so interesting um, because I think Doug is right. It's already uh, being used in the recruiting context. We even set up our own recruiting uh, process to try to get around all of the use of AI to create these uh, rapid applications that people do where they don't even read the job description. They just have it where it picks out their resume details in the job description details and says, this is a good match. Yes. Quick apply, click this button and apply. And so when you describe this scenario of it writes the job description and the job is nothing like that, when we go through our recruiting process, we just went that, through that. And, uh, and so one of our questions that we ask people is, what did you think the job was going to be? And they, they tell us what they thought they were hired to do. And then we ask them next, did that end up being the job? And so often they'll tell us, no, it was a completely different job. And our next question is, how did you feel about that? <laughs> so it's, uh, it, you're right. What, what, in a way, it's picking up on the behaviors that already occur. Yep. I'll, I'll never forget the time I was hired to be a marketing manager for Nancy, a very large real estate company on Long Island. And I was very excited about the job because I didn't want to commute to Manhattan anymore. This is about a half hour drive out, but it wasn't at least a three train ride in. And I got there the first day and the woman who was the, the co-person in that department looked at me and she said, we don't want you here. We think you're taking our jobs. We don't like you. 
we're mad that they hired you and we want nothing to do with you and you're just not going to have a good time here at all. And she said, you're horning in on my skills, on everything I've done. We don't know why they hired you and good luck, Charlie. And I went out and found a payphone in the parking lot. I called my mother. I said, holy shit. What did I just do? I left a great job in Manhattan. <laughs> Three years later, the company moved way out on Long Island, and I said, it's time to say goodbye. It worked out fine. She and I learned to respect each other. But boy, talk. And, and that goes to who are the people in the company who are getting you as a new employee? What, do, what about camaraderie? What about teamwork? Anyway, I could go on and on. I want to go to thank you for the comments. Doug, great prediction. Yes, sir. Can I just Real follow fast. Up for a second with something I said and then follow up on something that. Well, we I have to get to Tamara's prediction, and we only have seven minutes left. So, Doug, okay. I'll give you one minute. Go ahead, please. Okay. Just quickly. So, New York City just passed regulations, final regulations that goes that's going into effect in July that requires bias audits for any AI hiring tools that are used in New York City. It's the first in the nation ordinance. And by the way, it's only a matter of time before other yep. states and cities step into the uh, city. Yay, New York. There we go. Okay. Once a New Yorker, always. Tamara, I've picked your prediction number three, and this is interesting. You say, as a CEO, I am concerned about talent development and genuine skill sets when employees can enter a command to complete a lot of tasks when we promise our customers tailored solutions. This goes to authenticity. This goes to ownership. This goes to copyright. This goes to original thinking. This goes to human mind. Okay, Tamara, I'm going to give you the whole three minutes and then we'll do a quick round and then we will close up. Go ahead, Tamara. Awesome. So yeah, that that is a concern of mine, but that then moves to my prediction. Um, and that is that AI will never fully eliminate human interaction. Um, even at my company, I do allow my recruiters to use AI now to create job descriptions, which is great because that takes out the five hours that it could for them to do something if it's a unique. But then we also at the bottom have a tracking system so we know the date um, and the person has to put their name. And that name basically signifies that they read over it before we published it, that it is accurate for what we need. So I think it behooves employers to try to take out the redundant task because it does save money um, for an employee cost. But there always has to be some human interaction to do some last review. And even with you know some of the models and, and programming that we do and algorithms that we build, we always have kind of like the compliance testers. They're going to make sure that, you know, am I going to say that we'll never use AI to, to build um you know, some part of the model, I would be lying if I said I wouldn't because there's some that is redundant. It's the same regardless up until you get to a certain point. And as an employer who has to be price competitive against my competition and I'm in the best interest of the customer, I need to take out kind of like those standard, um, that standard code and those standard uh, steps and pro uh, programs. However, the customization, there will always be a human touch. And I would my prediction is that the successful employers and companies that have to deliver tailored products will have to have some level of human touch um, for before delivery. Very well put. Anybody want to comment? We've got just a couple of minutes left. Nancy, anything you want to say about customization? Oh, Lenore. Lenore, <laughs> raise your hand. Go ahead, Lenore. Uh, I, I was going to say, you know, people have asked about this in another context. Lawyers, and I said I'm not worried because 
trust me, anybody who feels like that's a replacement for me would have never hired me to begin with, right? Because you you have this understanding that some people, what they desire is, um, is them. And I think you're right, uh, Tamara, that you can train people, you can use people, you can you can train people on how to use it, but you can still have opportunities within the company to develop skills that go beyond saying, punch in this and output that. And so it really is a matter of intention and uh, the workplace, people in the workplace companies approaching it in an intentional way. Uh, in terms of what they're looking for, what they hope it will replace, and what they don't want it to replace. Thank you. Well put. Nancy, please, go ahead. So I'll, I'll jump in again with uh, kind of just right on the tails of what they're saying, and I'll throw in my optimistic spin on it is that it's I see AI as kind of like, just like when we started using templates in our businesses and things like that, mm-hmm. right, to improve efficiency so that the higher level thinking, the things that really engage employees and make them like their jobs and feel valuable are the things that they're working on. So that's what I see as possible with AI if we learn to use it effectively. I wanna ask a question to Tamara and we're just about ready to close. Tamara, are you having fun working with AI and machine learning in your business? You talk about customizing things. Are, are is this is this something that's exciting? Nobody's talking about the excitement. We're doing oh, it's going to hurt this and it's going to help that, and maybe we'll do this and intellectual property and hiring. Tamara, is it fun to work with this new technology? I love it. Um, actually, I was on the wait list for Chat GPT for like three months before I got it, and every day I was going in and checking. Finally, I got it. I jumped up screaming and hollering. My husband was like, "Are you okay?" I'm like, I finally got it. And I spent an hour or two, maybe three, kind of has that TikTok addiction, honestly, um, just putting in different prompts and getting everything. And I, I mean, I love it, but I mostly love it because like we've talked about, it can take out some of the mundane. And like Nancy said, it can have us focus on that higher level emotional intel- you know, task that requires some level of emotional intelligence, which I think every employer needs to focus on because there's a lack of that. Um, and, and it allows us to work with our customers and we're at a point now, like I said, we have been trying to get our customers to look at it for years. And now finally, because it's a popular thing, whatever it is, if that's what it took, that's what it took. It's now popular. They are now having conversations about us building, um, you know, algorithms for them to, um, incorporate chat GPT and other, um, you know, programming into their, their everyday. There you go. I wanted to get that fun excitement element in there because I I knew you felt that way about it. And I wanted to get you to admit it. There you go. It is interesting. And I think for several years, we may not be aware, but chat, there have been bots that have been the gatekeepers for online job applications. Because we all know if you don't have the certain keywords and the buzzes in there, you're not getting to a human recruiter. You're not getting that interview. It's just going to say, thank you very much for your application, but we're not able to work with you at this time. And I know the middle finger is not raised. I want to thank all four of you. I know Tamara has to go. Uh, I want to thank specifically Nancy. I'm putting your middle initial in, lady. Nancy Elshick, thank you for bringing these wonderful people, Lenore Horton and Tamara Nall and Doug, a shout out to Karen Tenenbaum, our mutual alliance, our mutual friend, uh, 
on, on Long Island for introducing you to me as well. And I have a quick homework assignment for all of you we're going to do right now. It's a pop quiz. I want you all to raise your finger and practice wagging it. Wag your finger. And on the count of three, I'm going to say, we're going to say no, no, no together. So the question is, people say the future is already here. And we say one, two, three. No. No. Louder. No. 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 That's because that was yesterday's future. Today's future didn't happen yet. Oh, it just did. That was a second ago. Well, it's coming again. We're going to make it a better one. Everybody wave goodbye to LinkedIn. Wave goodbye to Facebook. Wave goodbye to Voice America Business. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now.